Driving? No purchase necessary. You're listening. You're listening. You're listening to Radio Free Radio Radio Free Urbanism. Hello and welcome back to Radio Free Urbanism. I am your co-host, Alex Williams, and of course I'm joined by Ethan. Say bonjour, Ethan. Bonjour. Welcome back, everybody. Nice. Following instructions today. This is great. For the first time. For the first and, time. Uh, Nick, I want you to offend the audience as you say hello. Just, I can't. I'm that, not that kind of guy. I just just, wanna... just say just say, man. I, I only drive cars and I roll coal on cyclists. <laughs> Dude, if I'm not rolling coal, I'm not driving. That's just that's Every how I just, urbanist April Fools is know, just I am becoming a car. <laughs> I was excited to I, speak some French, okay? And then you, you had to turn it on me. Okay, you can say bonjour as well. Okay? Bonjour. Okay, excellent. Excellent work. We're multicultural here now. You're welcome, everybody. Uh, I just thought that because Ethan followed instructions so well today that maybe you would. Um, but anyways, uh, I have a massive headache actually today. I didn't mention this to you guys, but I'm a little low energy. So I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be exciting enough, uh, which means that we're just going to jump straight into things. We've got some city projects, and I think this one is going to be talked about by our friend, Ethan. Friend of the show over here. So... This story comes to us out of the state of Florida, which is not exactly a place you think of when you think of transit stories, other than maybe Brightline. Which is great. Exactly. It actually does involve Brightline a little bit, but this involves the city of Miami. So if you live in South Florida, you may know about Tri-Rail. It's kind of your regional rail service, and it's, it's okay. It's not a bad service, you know, but it's had one big issue for its entire existence, and that it's never run into downtown Miami. It's hmm. always ended at the airport, and you would have to get off the train, transfer to Metro Rail, which is Miami's metro system, and then take that into downtown Miami. Well, as of January 14th, so last Saturday, you can now take Tri-Rail directly into Miami Central Station, which is where Brightline takes out of. So now we have Tri-Rail trains and Bright. Brightline trains that run directly into downtown Miami. Now, this nice. is a huge transfer point because you not only have those two services, you have Metro Rail, once again, the Metro system there, and Metro Mover, which is a people mover that goes around the downtown. It's really exciting to see this. It's not a huge project, but it's really, really important for connectivity and anybody coming from, you know, north northern areas of South Florida, like Fort Lauderdale, Palm Beach, anywhere north of Miami. And it's really, it's just a really, it's a smaller project, but it is huge for connectivity. Nice. That's fantastic. What, did they have to do any additional infrastructure to, so, to get this done or what? Yeah, they had, I believe they had to build about seven miles of new track, a good chunk of it being elevated because the station is completely separate. So the tri-rail oh, okay. tri right-of-way runs on old CSX right-of-way. So it doesn't run on the same right-of-way that Brightline does. Brightline oh, okay. runs on the Florida East Coast right-of-way. So basically, they built a giant connector to kind of wind to the east to connect into Miami Central Station. So now Miami has a multi-railroad central station in its downtown. Kind of a rare thing for a U.S. city or North American city in general to have. Yeah. Yeah. It's and you mentioned that. I mean, it's weird hearing this come out of Florida, but it's like 
Florida's popping off. Like this is great. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Um definitely has its issues. Chat mm-hmm. may know I used to live there, but um it's uh yeah, South Florida has done some some decent work, especially the, you know, South Florida any being anywhere from Palm Beach to Miami, but especially the city of Miami's done some decent work. Their real issue is, you know, housing prices and stuff like that. It's really expensive to live there. But I mean, and then also you have coastal flooding and stuff like that they'll have to deal with, but Overall, transit-wise, Miami's done a decent job sort of refocusing and building more transit. They do need to do a lot more of it. I know that um, Metro Mover extensions are coming soon. I know they're working on BRT and rapid bus programs. but it would be, And I believe that they're also looking at a Metro Rail extension, possibly. Hmm. But we'll just have to see what happens there. But it is really exciting to see this project done. I know that this has been a long time coming for Tri-Rail in Miami and Florida residents in general. And I know that there's another Tri-Rail project coming too. Um, that one will also be super important, but we'll see when that happens. But it's super exciting to see these transit projects happen, guys. So how yeah. far can you actually get on this rail? Like if you're, say you're in Miami, you want to leave. Is this something that you could take across so, the whole state? You can't take this across the whole Florida's huge guys. Yeah. This is, is just it? for the South Florida region. Okay. So um if you're leaving out of Miami Central Station, you can take this about as north as West Palm Beach, which is kind of at like the northern end of like the giant, like I'd call it the greater Miami metro area. Mm. Or but I mean, you at Miami Central, if you were coming in from say Fort Lauderdale. And if you didn't want to get on at the Fort Lauderdale Brightline station, you could take that all the way into Miami Central, connect onto a Brightline train, and then take that all the way north to Orlando. So basically, it's kind of it's made it's made Miami Central into a really strong multimodal hub. Mm -hmm. It's a very modern station. It's super exciting to see for any city, really. Yeah, and it looks like there's some dense development on top of the station as well. Yeah, so. They did do that project, I, or it may still be under construction, but they did build some high rises above it. Yeah, yeah, and there's some uh, there's some wasteland parking lots in the area that I'm sure will get their turn to be redeveloped as well. Yeah, Miami's been doing a pretty decent job on infill development. So if you look at Miami, it's definitely been a city that's been constructing a whole ton of new, you know, different. Um, Actually, it's just been really big on high rises. It's kind of like I'd say comparatively, it's kind of like Vancouver when it comes to high rises. They are addicted to building them there. Nice, absolutely addicted. Like, but it's it's all over Miami. So like, yeah. basically, like, it, and Metro Rail, which is Miami's, you know, Metro service, has been doing. Or they've basically been really into building high rises and TOD around their stations. They hadn't done that before and it really their system struggled because they didn't have people living around their stations, but they've been building more housing around their stations and mixed use developments and it's been really beneficial. That's sweet. That that's actually uh making me feel pretty optimistic that so much stuff is happening in Florida and hopefully starts happening elsewhere. I mean that's great I, for the connectivity in Florida cuz Brightline ends at Orlando, right? At the moment, yeah, it ends in At Orlando, and it's supposed to get a Tampa extension. Oh, okay, we'll see. We'll see if any of this momentum creeps north in the state. I know Tampa wanted Tampa and Orlando have been trying to do some transit construction, but you know, it's yeah. really hard when you don't have any state support. So you know, right, nice. They'll just have to work around it, but it it is exciting. There is some momentum in Florida. Yeah, that's really We're that's gonna really ignore exciting. Jacksonville, but we'll <laughs> yeah, Jacksonville for another conversation. It's super sprawling, right? 
Jacksonville. Very, um, yeah, like. we could have a whole Jacksonville episode. I'm just saying. All right. Well, I look forward <laughs> to that. Um, yeah, that's that's great. Great news. Thanks for thanks for bringing that to us, our friend Ethan. Uh, any anything left to say about that before we scooch on? Train good. Yeah. Train good. Or train train good. good. Say it with us, audience. Train good. Leave a comment. Train good. Um, I think we've done well enough to hypnotize everybody. But if now we're this going far in the video, to comment yeah. train good. <laughs> comment train good. We'll know you made it to eight minutes. Um, so today, today I've got a news story about a pedestrian zone. So kind of the opposite of trains, but also very good at uh, at moving people. And that is walking. So the pedestrian zone in Banff, the town of Banff in Banff National Park in uh, in Alberta, Canada, they, uh, in 2020, because of the pandemic, everybody kind of opened these spaces and they said, well, we need social distancing. So they allowed for patios outside and stuff. Well, Banff did this and then they kept doing it. And then Parks Canada last week said, um, actually cut it out i don't do that this year and and specifically they were really like they were really mostly talking about the patios because it has to do with uh they were saying it has to do with the commercialization of the national park right they don't like having like merch displays outside of the storefronts that sort of thing Uh, but then they applied this also to patios and kind of said don't do that uh but then I guess today, today when we're recording this, January 17th, 2024, the town council had a meeting today and they voted five to two to keep the patios and uh, and say, well, if Parks Canada has a problem, they can take it from our cold, dead hands. And they said, because the problem isn't with the pedestrianization of this main street in Banff, they uh, they they said if Parks Canada says no, like no to the patios, absolutely not to the patio dining in the town, then they'll at least still maintain the uh, the walkable main street. They'll keep it closed to cars for summer and fall at least until uh, the end of 2026. So that's uh, that's like some actually really great news. Um, and uh, if you guys have comments i have i'll I'll share i'll share my screen here while uh while while you ask questions and share your thoughts because i've got some some video to share so is that pertaining to the actual stuff that's gonna be built or has been built on the street so like the curbside dining and stuff that stuff is staying that's not saying that the road is shut down permanently to traffic or no is is no no so the it it will be shut down to traffic to car traffic from um what are those days? You know those days, um, summer and fall. Um, but then they will, uh, they will, uh, yeah. So it'll be open to pedestrians only and buses. Um, but yeah, the kind of main issue that they're saying don't do is the patios, which sucks because look at this delicious food I ate in Banff Ooh. last time I was there. Yeah, Ooh. that was a that was a good walk. That's nice. Yeah. This is too um, commercialized. We have to get rid of it it's immediately. Too, it's too commercialized. We need cars instead. Think of the cars. <laughs> um, but what they what they did say is that um, it seems 
it seems that they'll still be allowed to do the walkable streets, but they just won't be able to do the patios. If you're watching the the video, they won't be able to do those uh, patio dining on um, on the street. Something I've noticed that's really weird. It's both with the National Park Service in the U.S. and Parks Canada is that they both really have this like very, very car centric process when it comes to parks. Mm hmm. Yeah, because a lot of surprisingly, a lot of their revenue comes from people who just drive in and out of the park. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, another thing to note right now is that the closing of this street is paid for largely by the businesses uh, along the street. They actually participate and they they uh, pay whatever fee is set up to um to to keep this whole Banff Ave closed um, to to cars, but then they said that if Parks Canada won't let them do that, then they're going to use the revenues from like paid parking and stuff to cover the cost of keeping it closed. Yeah, I'm just curious to see what the parking situation is there in the summer. Yeah, or sorry, in the winter, and what it was like before they pedestrianize this street. And that's the thing I always yeah. always think about whenever I see these types of spaces again, like we talked about last week with Granville Island and a lot of, and I posted a video about, you know, quote unquote, mm-hmm. making it car free, which is not necessarily I'm advocating for, but maybe changing the way we build it to make it more friendly pede- to pedestrians. And one of the ways we can do that is always increase or at least make the parking market rate. Cause so many places it's just way too cheap. If, if at any point, this is something you can learn from Donald Shoup. If you've never read his books, this is the, the one thing you can learn is that if you go somewhere to park and you can't find parking on the block, you want to park on parking's too cheap. That's it. It's as simple as that. And how often yeah. that happens, or yeah. I see that, not that I drive a lot anymore, but whenever I see that, I see it all the time. Like again, on Granville Island, you'll see people circling, trying to find parking. It's too cheap. So I want to know how much people are paying for parking in, in Banff because I'm sure so, if you look at the aerial, there's gotta be a big parking lot somewhere. There's parkades somewhere. There are, there are parking lots and some parkades as well. But one thing, one thing I'll note is Banff Ave didn't have street parking. No, not at all. Eh? So this, yeah, this really? was just like, hmm. this was just a road that people would drive through. And now I'll so what pull was up it, four a, lanes. Cause it looks like there's four lanes yeah, and there's two, like cutouts for pickup drop off or transit or something. Wow. Four each way on a, no, no, two, two each, each way. way. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll show you. Oh, sorry. Uh, four total. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let me pull up this. I'll share my screen again. And right there. Perfect. So here on the main street, I think this is where they closed it from. So they would close it from here where it intersects with Wolf Street. And then... Uh, so all of this would be closed to car traffic um, all the way to here uh, where it mm-hmm. intersects with Buffalo Street. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you'll see in behind here, like usually what I would do is if I if I were driving in, I would have turned down Wolf Street and come down this way and then park in one of these parking lots back here. Like it's not it's not that hard closing this for pedestrians only doesn't do anything to um it just it just moves the traffic around the around the street here. yeah and uh this bear street here this is this is the street that um this is what it, um this is 
I know Shifter, Tom's made a made a video talking about this Voonerf before. Um, but uh, yeah, so like the, it's still, you know, it just adds that additional walkability and comfortability. And my sister, when we were there uh, last summer, she hadn't been there from since before the pandemic. And they started doing this in 2020. And she commented on how quiet it was. And I said, yeah, it's because there's no cars, right? They took the cars off and the buses are electric. So they're just, they have a little bell that they ding. It's very cute. Um, but yeah, there's still parking there. There are some parkades under some of these buildings and stuff. But I didn't have an issue with with the price. When I've paid for parking here, I never had an issue issue with the price. Sometimes it felt cheap. And there is also free parking at the Banff train station. So... <laughs> Um, yeah, you can park for free back here and then you just walk down the street to Banff Ave. If you want, you can catch the bus to other places, but, um, yeah, why we don't have the train coming to here is beyond me. So there Um, is a train station. There is an existing train station. Do they run like heritage units, something or like tourist Mm. trains out of it? Yes. I believe the, um, the, uh, Rocky Mountaineer will stop here. Uh, Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and they do rent e-bikes here as well, actually. The Rocky Mountaineer, the elite train of Canada. It's so it's so expensive. It's insanely it's, expensive. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So there's there's some stuff. Some stuff. I'm trying to remember the one on. that goes by um, Moab, Utah. I think that might also be um, it's it's I, I want to say it's the. It's something similar, but yeah, it's um yeah. I think uh, Tybalt from Simply Railway covered it, but okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's know. in the same vein of like super luxurious, expensive tourist train. Yeah, instead of just like like for me, I just I just want to get to the park. You know, I want to drop me off in the town, and then from the town I can take the bus to like Louise Moraine Lake. I can take it to a hike somewhere. I can go up you know the hill to the gondola whatever right um i just i just want to train you know don't you we throw all. me in an amcan <laughs> <sighs> i don't anything. care which which train car it is what's pulling it just mm-hmm. get it up the mountain mm-hmm. yeah it'd be, so, it'd be amazing to see a train go there from calgary that just again it's like a no-brainer we talked about it last week at length I yeah don't think we need to go over actually it, i think it was the week before but we're yeah. gonna talk about it every week it's, probably yeah. honestly until it happens probably we're yeah. gonna keep talking yeah. about it yeah yeah i know so so yeah so it's great that uh the town voted to say like you know what we're gonna do a thing uh we've got some articles and stuff uh from the calgary herald that kind of address that and talk about um you know concerns and why they want to do it why some people might not want to do it but there wasn't parking there anyways and it just it just makes the town center a more pleasant place to be so yeah yeah with that let's scooch on i i'm saying scooch a lot in this episode scooch, I, you I'm, are I'll get, yeah yeah uh, you know twice, along, twice is a lot yeah we're scooching along um to talk about broadway station uh nick yeah i want to talk about some stuff that's going local to here so i've already talked about it in the past on this podcast about the extensions to the SkyTrain. so if you're curious about that at all there's a youtuber called stainer the first and this guy's been documenting 
the, the construction that's going on right now. So that includes the extension that's going from, I think it's commercial or yeah, commercial down westwards towards Arbutus. So that's like close to downtown Vancouver, just south of downtown Vancouver, and also the extension that's going down to Langley. So he's got like a, a not a GoPro, a DJI, uh, one of those uh, drones. I don't know. It's one of those mm-hmm. mini ones. I swear to God, it's yeah. amazing. They look so the Mavic. I, I, yeah, they I don't do know. It's those light, it must be those lightweight yeah. ones. Uh, yeah. But I'm sharing my screen right now, and I'm just playing the one of his videos, so you can see. He's got these fantastic views of the construction that's been, go, been going on from the air, but also from the ground. So if you want to see the project and what's going on and the updates, you can go there because he's been going over this for for months now. So it's really cool to see the progress. And he's got maps and everything to, so you can see where everything's going, which is really cool. And I just wanted to highlight this guy because I'm a fan of watching his YouTube videos. So I thought it'd be cool to share. Um, but also something else that somebody has proposed, and this is a $10 billion regional rail system designed to revolu- revolutionize transit in Metro Vancouver. And the system known as the Mountain Valley Express aims to enhance transportation connectivity in the region. So this is something that I've been wanting to see for a long time. And I think everybody who's interested in trains wants to see something like this in their area, but there's a specially a special demand for this type of thing when you have tourist destinations. So as we're talking mm-hmm. about Banff here in Vancouver, our Banff is, is Whistler naturally. That's the one yeah. of the things that a lot of people go to. Mm-hmm. So if you've never been to Whistler, it's you head North uh, from Vancouver on the sea to sky highway, and it kind of hugs the mountains all the way up about two hour drive all the way to Whistler. And it's absolutely beautiful drive. It is gorgeous. And it seems like a perfect place to have a train go all the way up there. So this is only one portion of that train is to get up all the way up to Whistler, pass through Squamish. It also is proposing different regional rails that are going to head down through the South Fraser Valley all the way to Chilliwack. So this is a pretty mm-hmm. comprehensive plan. And it's not necessarily, hey, this is a proposal. Let's It's happening or it's been accepted. This is basically some guys have gotten together who at least seem like they have the proper credentials to do this. And they put yeah. together a huge thing. How, how many pages? 135 page document. The uh, mountain, sorry, what is it called again? The mountain. Mountain Valley Express. Mountain Valley Express. So yeah, it's very ambitious. And if you if you dare to, go ahead and dig in. Uh, for So I think their website is uh, mvx.vision. And that's where you can find their, their, their whole setup there. But yeah. $10 billion seems a, a bit low in my opinion. I, I can't imagine they're going to be able to, if they actually build this on the, put the boots on the ground to build this, it's going to cost $10 billion. I feel like it's going to be a lot more than that. Yeah. But either way. We'll see. Yeah. We, we'll see if, like, I, I don't expect this to happen for the next 20 years, probably with the, uh, the kind of politicians we have running this place. It's, it's, it's crazy that this wasn't done 40 years ago. Like, why isn't there a commuter rail all the way down to Abbotsford? Why wasn't that yeah. built, you know, 20, 30 years ago? It seems insane to me. But yeah, the most exciting to me, at least, is the one that would potentially go to Whistler. Obviously, that'd be very expensive. If you haven't seen Ski to Sea Sky Highway, go Google it. It's on the side of a mountain, like most of the way. It's crazy. It's it, it just it's so awesome to drive it. It's great. So to be in yeah. a train and experience that would be way better. But even better than that is getting to Whistler. And not having to find parking, because much like we talked about just in Banff and the parking lots, go look at Whistler from the air. The parking lots are absolutely massive. And what happens when you get there on a good snow day? You look at the forecast, you're like, oh, there's 30 centimeters of snow. You're like, yeah, let's go Whistler. It's going to be a great day for some snowboarding. You get near Whistler and there's a lineup of cars. 
And that lineup of cars is just people trying to get into the parking lots. And you're like stuck in these lineups for like an hour. So you end up leaving at like 4 a.m. just to beat these lines and realizing that everybody's done the same thing and you just can't beat it. So it'd be really nice to to just, you know, get off a train that's not far from the uh, Whistler, Whistler Village and, and get on the get on the slopes. I mean, it's already over capacity, but still. All of yeah. my all of our Denver, Colorado viewers are going to hear that and be like, hey, that's I-70 every single time it snows yeah hmm. because yeah. i-70 is the highway that goes straight into the rocky mountains where all the resorts are breckenridge vale everything like that well i i may be wrong with the resort locations yeah. but most of them are off of i-70 and i-70 is known for just tourism backups yeah and i'm sure most people would appreciate more than one train a day to one resort yeah okay yeah. was that somebody posted on reddit i think i saw the other day there was a lineup for three miles of cars trying to get into a resort i don't know if that was in colorado or something but they were driving it and makes they, sense yeah it was a time lapse and they were driving beside this lineup that half of it was just in this bike lane but that's that's my own thing uh yeah, yeah colorado three or miles Utah, either one yeah three <laughs> miles of cars lined up to get to park to go to a ski resort but okay can i just at least bring this this up again so when we were talking about banff again a few episodes ago the, the the opposition to it was that it's too full. It's already too full. Mm-hmm. And is that a proper concern? Because like when I go to Whistler, I don't go very often, but my friend goes all the time and he tells me about the, the good days. And I've been there for those days too. It's insanely busy where like you're literally, you're waiting in line in your car to get into parking. You get out of your car, you're waiting in line to just get on the gondola. And then you're waiting in line to get on the next chairlift. And it takes like four hours just to get to the top of wherever you want to start skiing from. So is it is it too full? Maybe. I don't know. But maybe we can just transition away from the cars anyway. That's at least the yeah. benefit we can have from this. <laughs> and I mean, oh, bless you, Ethan. Gesundheit. Um Thank you. So I think I I think it's too full of cars, that's for sure. Yeah. I also think and this came up on the Calgary subreddit, maybe on the Banff subreddit, um that if you go a little bit past where all the big tourist spots are, you're going to end up finding some really quiet spots. I mean, Banff National Park is a huge place, right? And the specific ski resorts, you know, Lake Louise and stuff, I think, yeah, like those those are packed, right? They're full. Um, but so then you just say, okay, well, you get a ticket for the train that is looped in with your ski pass or whatever, and that's your that's your ticket for the day. That's how you manage the the crowd. The same way you manage cars. You just say, sorry, full, parking lot full, turn yeah. around, you know, like it's it's this it's the same thing. Yeah. Um, Again, it comes back to pricing. Yeah, ex- exactly. Right. Like you you plan for that. You say, you know what, like there is a lot of demand to come out here. We'll raise the price a little bit for tourists. Right. Or whatever. And we'll say, well, you know, you got to book this far in advance. People already know that they have to do that for the hotels. Mind right? you, chat. Mm-hmm. This is this isn't just for ski resorts either. This goes for beaches too. This goes mm-hmm. for any national parks yeah. out there. You know, yep. everywhere's got some sort of limit, and yeah, some sort of lottery system that yep. you know puts locals first would probably be ideal. But yep. realistically, our best solution is to get cars out of our natural spaces. Well, exactly right. Like if you get cars out of the natural spaces, you're making more room for people because people people are destructive uh, to natural spaces. But uh, cars are more destructive to natural spaces. Right. You look at um, like Yellowstone. Uh, Have you you guys have been to Yellowstone? No, No. I actually haven't. 
You have but, it? Okay. Um, do you guys want to see something that's uh, very, very, very car-brained? Yes. Please. Yes, show us. Here, I will I will show you right now. <laughs> okay. Now? Now? Is now. it showing up? It's oh, coming. Something. It's coming. All right, that's We're the wrong page. We're going to see it in a second. Oh, there we go. Come on. Come on. Oh, here we go. It's oh, like, you it's like lost I clicked it. the you wrong lost one. It. it was there, and then it was uh, gone. No, no, no. It was showing me the you wrong lost page. Your sharing oh, privileges. it was showing us the wrong one. I've okay. lost my sharing privileges because I have no clue how to use them. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah, Ethan, but, um, Ethan this is like third in, striker out here. I used to live in North Florida, what? just a little bit north of Daytona Beach, and it was not uncommon to see beaches that would allow you to drive on it. That sucks. That's weird. Now, here's there's not only the shitty part of having to deal with cars in a space that should be car free, mm-hmm. but also beaches suffer from erosion really badly because water is strong. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes a lot of these beaches will get shut down because of not just erosion from the cars, but from the natural erosion that, you know, water likes to do. These are very, you know, fragile ecosystems when it comes to, right. you know where the where the sediment is so yeah oftentimes you aren't even able to drive on there but when you are it's it's just so short-lived that everybody goes out and drives and parks on the beach yeah it's Brutal. crazy how much beaches can shift from season to season it's amazing to think that you oh, would yeah. go ahead and put your car on there that's uh yeah from day to day yeah, yeah. Hour hour. true yeah absolutely yeah. why would why would you drive your car on a beach that seems silly to me. Um, actually, NASCAR got its start from people. Uh, Daytona racing actually got its start from drag races on the beach. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess, you know, Kinda crazy. But yeah, we're in a different time than that now. So, yeah, yeah, we, we yeah. We exactly, shouldn't be driving right. on the beach. Yeah. And I think the worst thing that also goes on that is that Texas classifies all their beaches as technically state highways. What? For real? It's for road. It's for road rules of driving on the beach. So oh, okay. they technically classify all their beaches as state highways. Interesting. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Wild. Um, but yeah, as I was gonna say with with Yellowstone, uh, which you guys haven't been, you should. It's fantastic. Uh, but if there was like a train that that took you up there and out there, um, that'd be fantastic because there there are lines of cars and you you go along in this line of cars and then. Somebody 20 cars ahead of you sees a moose and stops, you know, and uh, yeah, it's 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 brutal having having traffic like that. It'd be great if they had a train station and then buses uh, and Banff at least has buses, but but no trains. What about Whistler? Does Whistler have any transit? Yeah, they've got of buses. any kind. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so it's relatively used to because there's a lot of workers there like seasonal workers. A lot of Australians, that's for sure, who work there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it definitely gets used. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think it'd be super cool to see this this uh, this MVX, the Mount, Mountain Valley Express. I think that'd be super cool to yeah. see that happen. It'll happen eventually. Is there, none, none of that's built, though, right? There's like nothing existing for any of this. Yes. Yeah, so, it's so, all new stuff. So some of it, like the Cascadia, I think, is part of that plan. Uh, mm-hmm. which again, that goes to the downtown Pacific central station in Vancouver. Um, but as f- apart from that, I don't, f- I think is some of this might be part of the already SkyTrain uh, stops potentially, right? Maybe. Yeah, yeah. There's only so far you can take with SkyTrain. Like it's, you don't want to be on there for more than an hour. That would just be pretty dreadful. It's, it's different, right? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's different rail, right? Like yeah. this is regional rail they're talking about, not uh not yeah, sky I wonder, train rail. I wonder what city would uh would have an hour and a half runtime for uh metro or light rail. I'm not I'm not throwing any shade at Los <laughs> Angeles here, but you know, uh I don't think anybody wants to spend uh, an hour and a half going from Azusa to Long Beach on a uh, A-line train. Yeah, it's a bit just, far. Just, just throwing that one out there. Love LA Metro, <laughs> but you know it's uh, damn, that's long. I, yeah. yeah, I'm 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 not a fan of long trips, regardless of the mode. Like it could be on almost anything. The only mode that I'd be like, that's fine. High speed rail or a, or a, an airplane. I could an hour and a half seems pretty short, but other than that, I don't want to do it. Not in a car. Yeah. Probably not in some kind of light rail. Not, not really, not even on a bike for the I most part. I can do part. a couple days in a train, but you know, yeah. Yeah. Heavy rail train. It's doable, but yeah. Especially if you have like a snack car, Oh, you know, a bar cart. Yeah. Bar. Lounge yeah. sightseer oh, lounge. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. You can hang out. You can relax. We, we should come up with some fantasy transit ideas <laughs> on, on here. Make our, make our own 135 page idea booklet. <laughs> it's actually uh, it's just, no, I think it's, it's crayons it's a it's a 135 page document on a train from calgary to banff yes that's the whole <laughs> you could you could i there are so many trains that i'm like we should do this we should do this um top of my list is the train to drum heller though boy i love that museum um yeah yeah i think i think it's a super cool project and me calling it like a booklet is pretty reductive it's actually they went into detail and and uh, I get the sense that these guys know pretty well what they're what they're talking about. And I think it's a project that should be done. Um, I think that is that's our last story. Nick had Nick had two today um, and we kind of we kind of. Well, they were kind of part of each those. other. Yeah. 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 I, I, I'm going to talk about something later, but uh, yeah, maybe we should get to the listener mail. Yeah, let's get to the let's listener mail. All right. The first I think is that is are you handling I, this I one too, it. Nick? I can do it. Nick, Nick, Nick. Just Nick. I was silent here. for like My the first goodness. 15 minutes of this yeah. podcast. So I got to make up. Nice. He's going to make up for this whole amount of time. Yeah. So nice. this is all right from YouTube. Jump By in. the way, if you want to send us a message, you can do it on our YouTube video in the comments or send us at radiofreeurbanism at gmail.com. Just send them away. We're, we want to hear what you got to say. Any platform we have. Yeah, anywhere. Just send it. Uh, this is from Hall's Emporium. And uh, they say, many people make... Friend of the show. <laughs> yeah, many people make fitness <laughs> a focus of their New Year's resolution. And one in particular I've seen people discussing is picking up the habit of walking 10,000 steps a day. This makes me think of time living in the deep suburbs and how uninspired I was to go for walks as my only options were walking along a strode or walking around in walking around and around a walking path uh, with a manufactured pond in the center. Uh, Compare this to new neighborhoods just outside the downtown. It's much more pedestrian friendly and I don't need resolution to push me outside for a walk because walking is built into running errands and nearby shops and checking out nearby events. I know it's not realistic for everyone to relocate to a neighborhood like this, but if you can, it sure does make a difference. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. this is something we've talked Mm -hmm. about Several times we always talk about this walkability is so huge. And I think it's the ultimate goal of urbanism in the first place. Like I love micro mobility because I think it's something we can do. Somebody can do right now to replace their car, mm-hmm. to make their commute more enjoyable and save the money and have fun. But that's not my ultimate goal. My ultimate goal is that is a step towards walkability. Same thing with transit. It helps extend your walkability. They're just extensions of your human self which is really mm-hmm. great. So mm-hmm. we've talked about where I live in Vancouver. I live in a relatively walkable place, very walkable for North American standards. I can walk yep. to almost anything. My, when my wife and I go out for dinner, 
We, we walk to, to the neighborhood where there's restaurants that we love. When I need to get groceries, we walk a couple blocks to get to our grocery store. If I need to get a few things from you know the drugstore, it's right across the street. So everything's really close to me. And I walk a lot. In fact, I checked my stats from last year. Guys, do you want to guess how many steps I walked last year? Hmm. I want to pull up my, hmm. my, my thing, but just, just like, how about an average? Just guess an average per day that I walked. I'm, I'm going to guess an average of 16,000. 16,000. Ooh. I'm, I'm going to say 22,000. Holy smokes. You guys are actually, you guys are on opposite sides of it. So last year, so the past 12 months, I've walked 15,000 steps, over 15,000 steps a day on average. So part of that is the walkable community I, I live in. But also another part of that is my job, which we won't get into now, but I walk a lot at my job. But that is 5,393,000 steps in 12 months, which is like insane. When I saw that, I was like, oh my God, I walk a lot. But yeah, it's it's something where I, I exercise for fun. I, I rarely do exercise for the sake of exercising. So my job is relatively physical. When I go do my errands, it's very physical. And when I go for leisurely rides, for example, scooters, I have a scooter. It's useful, but I don't go for scooter rides for rides. When I go for a ride, I get on my bicycle because that's what I enjoy doing. So yeah, I obviously agree. We need to have yeah. walkable places where it's easy mm -hmm. to go out just because that's what you do. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and for anybody wondering, it's treadmill quality assurance is what nick does for work yes. he actually just inside the factory <laughs> he just treadmills all day yes. uh, he's been really working on those like at desk ones it's crazy he's yeah. actually walking right now yeah, yeah. there <laughs> there's been a massive production of those so he's working right now he's calling in from the factory <laughs> we're testing longevity yeah yes. so uh, yeah <laughs> i've burnt out three treadmills in the past 12 months it's not a very you know, efficient way to, to test these things, but Hey, I'm getting paid. So I don't care. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but yeah, walking is a huge deal. This is our primary mode of transportation is our feet and making it, it's been said before and it'll be said again that, uh, that when your city is designed well, you don't need to think about exercise, right? You don't have to worry about that. Uh, last night I walked 45 minutes home in the snow uh, because the bus, uh, the bus service wasn't very helpful to getting me home, um, so that wasn't that wasn't a choice. That was more of a problem that I had. Uh, whereas it'd be nice to just be able to walk comfortably to the place that I was going, um, not because I was forced to, but because that was the best way to get there. Yeah, yeah right? it's um, it's definitely like real like walkable cities and just walkable neighborhoods in general really do kind of put into a perspective of just managing your life in like a much more like I'd like to say automatic way when it comes to your own health at least in terms of you know being physically fit I think there was the term coined it was like called like the it, it was called like the like existing workout or something like that but hmm. just existing in a walkable city or a walkable neighborhood is just already existing with your daily workout. Yeah. Yeah. Just make it, make it easy. Right. Just, just integrate it. That's, that's one of the reasons I got rid of my car was because I knew like I wouldn't get exercise. If I, and it also saves if time. I just had to drive everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. It would be nice um, to live in a better designed place. 
Um, yeah. Yeah. And when the place sucks, like you don't want to be there. You don't want to be outside. You want to drive to the front door, right? You don't want to spend that extra time uh, enjoying your neighborhood. Totally. And like when you see, go to like a parking lot of a big store and you see this giant parking lot and how many people are circling trying to find a good spot mm-hmm. when they, they have can go all over the end of it, right? You can see the spread of cars parked. If you look from the aerial view, you can just go near the end and easily, oh, I have a spot just like that. Yeah. As yeah. long as it's not a Costco on a weekend, like that's, that's a nightmare, yeah. no matter where you try to park. But like, yeah, you can park a little farther away and you have a spot. How many people are trying to avoid that to not walk those extra steps? Because it, it just seems like a waste of time. Why would you want to walk in a parking lot? It's not a fun place to, to walk. It's not no. good. No, it's not. Yeah. It's, it's so a shitty hostile. place to walk. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably um, the shittiest place to walk because there's no <laughs> dedicated area for pedestrians. Yeah. That's so actually, it is without a doubt the shittiest place to walk. That, that's, a, that's a topic I've got for a future video of, of my own is going to like these shopping areas and talking about the pedestrian access. Cause there are some, there are some that do at least like they put it there, you know, like it's not amazing. It would be great if it was built for pedestrians, right. Rather than for cars. Um, but then there are others where it's like, they weren't thinking of people at all when they built this, you know, they, zero consideration. Um, but yeah, let's move on to the next listener mail here, Ethan. So this next listener mail comes to us courtesy of Sean Troy 3172 and they say y'all rock. Thank you so much Sean Troy. Salt Lake City has so much potential. Those wide lanes can easily can be easily repurposed without losing car access and parking since they got eight lanes plus parking right now. Bike downhill, transit back up. Cut that cut down that smog and keep it beautiful for all those skiers and snowboarders. I love this comment here. Salt Lake City probably has some, and just West Coast cities in general have some of the widest roads I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love the thought of seeing this not as a horrible thing, but seeing it more or less as potential. Yeah. Because getting rid of lanes and replacing them with, or getting rid of car travel lanes and replacing them with cycling lanes, bus lanes, and overall light rail like Salt Lake City has, which is actually surprisingly really good. I need to get up to Salt Lake City to check it out. It's actually yeah. Salt Lake City is definitely one of those sleeper cities, but yeah. like it is it is full of those wide, you know, strodes. And I mean, getting rid of them would be significantly beneficial to, you know, this to Salt Lake City. They have a really progressive mayor when it comes to the, you know, the topic of city planning and urbanism. Um, if you guys want to look her up, her name's Erin uh, Mendenhall. She is a really very progressive, very transit forward mayor. Hmm. And it is really exciting to see, you know, cities kind of go this way. Salt Lake City really itself is trying to push this because they do have such poor air quality this time of year. Horrible. But it is. Yeah, it's inversions. Yeah, inversions are no joke. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like getting getting transit access to the ski slopes and, you know, uh, what's what's the big um, movie festival that's happening right now out in Salt Lake City? I forgot the name of it. Um, oh, yeah. Why am I no. blanking out on this? I was actually is thinking it, about uh, going to it at one yeah, point. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm trying to remember. Is it? It's not Sundance, is it? It is Sundance. It is Sundance. It is Sundance. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that that would also be great to get to right now by transit. I know they have some theaters that show movies in, in Salt Lake City itself. Yeah. But 
actually being able to get to the Sundance Theater, which is in the mountains, would be super exciting. But yeah, yeah. Salt Lake City is a very promising place. Hopefully they can get some of those roads changed over. Yeah, it, it's it's got potential. It's also getting hit really hard by climate change now like today right this is in a lot of the in a lot of places it's like uh okay yeah like we should be worried about it salt lake city like they're getting hammered uh today um but i know there are some efforts with park city to try and do more transit and and stuff like that um and then also within salt lake city i mean that area they already have the front runner train salt lake has an lrt they've got the train to the airport um they've got like they've got stuff going on they have um, four light potential. rail lines they have yeah. the front runner which they're planning on improving i don't know if they're going to have sunday service on that ever but i know that they're planning to make it more like actual regional rail than a commuter system mm-hmm. and then they have two brt lines and i think they're planning on doing more of them because they know that they can quick build those and get transit built out pretty quickly yeah 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 so there's uh there's some promising stuff there i'll also note one thing that I think is a strength of Salt Lake is they have massive city blocks. Their city blocks are a lot larger than most places. And it's so a double-edged sword. Yeah. So to to make uh large walkable areas, they don't even need to close down uh roads, right? Obviously I think they should in some places, right? To um keep out car traffic, but there are like just massive city blocks that if you develop them right, you can make like really pleasant, uh, really pleasant places, places to, to be. Um, yeah. So there's lots of, lots of potential there. So I'm optimistic. Yeah, it is. It, it, it's a super exciting city, just West coast too, because it's also not like, it's not, it doesn't have that California price tag either. So it is like, it's a lot more affordable than a lot of other cities, especially on the West Coast when it comes to this kind of transit. Yeah. So yeah, it does look super, super promising for, yeah. you know, just transit in general and, you know, really being kind of just like a city that people don't think about for transit, but actually has, you know, a decent network. Yeah. And I think they're, they're competing right up with Denver for it. Um, hmm which also has a pretty extensive network. But those two cities are really interesting because they have extensive networks, but zoning really isn't the best there. Yeah, yeah. But they're Nick, working on it. Any Anything to add to that before I scooch on to the next? I just want to go there. I've never been to Salt Lake City, and yeah. I've always heard good things. So we'll uh, we'll make a trip out of it. Yeah, we'll be one, a, yeah. we're just going to tour the entire world. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, our next comment comes from our good friend, Austin Serson, um, who is a big fan of the show. Um, the biggest, perhaps. Uh, so Austin says, another huge props to Calgary during the 2013 flood, which destroyed 100 meters of track. The South Sea Train LRT reopened two weeks after it was forced to close. So it was closed from June 19th to July 3rd. Woodhead... Uh, and then Austin asks, would it have been repaired as quickly if Stampede weren't abutting it? Which, for some context, Stampede is Calgary's big rodeo. We get over a million visitors to the city. It's 10 days. It's a huge deal. Um, very important. Uh, and then he says, maybe not. But still, it's a huge testament not only to Calgary's willingness to prioritize transit, but also their ability to mobilize resources quickly to get it done. Uh, this is something I think Calgary Transit's pretty good at. They know how important, like the city knows how important the C train is. 
especially getting people to and from Stampede. Um, it's uh, like stan- at Stampede time, the train is packed. Like every train car is packed the whole 10 days. Uh, and so so it's it's great that they got that fixed. And of course, that's kind of in response to what Ethan brought up last time with Chicago having having rail problems. Uh, so we can reply to that one separately uh, and maybe get an update from Ethan about the Chicago stuff, if you've heard anything. So I haven't heard a whole lot of updates on Chicago. I know that the red line or obviously the red line still running. That's like the, one of the main lines in the city. But I know that the yellow line is up and running again um, where we're, where the city's really seeing issues is on a lot of the other um, lines to the side. There's actually a good friend of mine made a uh, CTA tracker and um, there were only like two trains on the brown line on like Sunday. Hmm. So for an entire line through the city. So I think it was running at like 20 or 25 minute frequencies. It was it was just really painful to look at. But yeah, I mean, it is it is really nice that one city actually does prioritize fixing their transit. I know that, you know. I know that that's probably a more vital line than the yellow line is because the yellow line yeah. is more of an arterial line or it's not really, it doesn't run into the center of the city and it's kind of, you know, just a, it's basically just a feeder line to the red line, but right. it is really, it is really exciting to see that a city actually did put a lot of effort into fixing transit quickly and, you know, efficiently to get it back up and running. And yeah. another example other than just Baltimore, because I, I, I gave Baltimore, well, I mean, I gave Alstom flack for that one on online, but it, it is really nice to see when cities get their transit up, operations up and running quickly again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is. And then uh, Ethan Ethan went on to add, uh, replying to our Glenmore Landing conversation. He says, good news on Glenmore Landing. This area of Calgary has some of the most vocal opposition to anything that's not car-oriented and uh, low-density uses, which is very true. Um, there is a lot of opposition to things going on, like we talked about in the, the last video, um, a lot of fear mongering and, uh, yeah, now the, the city of Calgary has started engagement on some upzoning, uh, conversation and, uh, that will go to city council on, uh, April 22nd. So mark that day. If you're in Calgary, mark that day on your calendars. We need literally everybody to show up and uh and and speak in support of it if you're in calgary you can email me personally you can email me at humanecities at gmail.com uh and i can give you some resources as to how to get set up to to participate in that conversation and to make sure that we get as much support down there as possible um yeah and that's that's kind of all i have to say on on those comments um, if you guys want to add anything or we can just move on to, uh, is this Nick with the next one? Yes. Yes. Wow. Nick. All right. Let's move on to Nick. Yeah. So it's winter time. And for most people that means cold weather and snow, but for some of us that's either non-existent or it happens occasionally and somewhat unexpectedly. So that would be us here in Vancouver. So if you're not familiar, Vancouver is also known as Raincouver because we get a lot of rain, but, uh, you know, most years, Around this time, we'll get at least one or two snow dumps, and it's happened. In fact, today it happened quite quite a lot. In fact, it happened so much that most people didn't go to work, myself included. 
because our city doesn't actually take care of the tr- the streets when it snows. And that's just because it makes financial sense to not do it. If they only need it for a couple of days a year, it would just make no sense to spend all this money to invest in all this equipment that they only need for a couple of days. Like, I think it's, it's still snowing right now. Uh, like it's a lot of snow. Like it's, it was probably like 30 plus centimeters. Like it was a lot of snow. Wow. And it's supposed wow. to snow the next couple of days as well. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, it made me think of something because I did ride to work the other day last week when we had a little bit of snow. It was a pretty good cold snap for Vancouver. It was like negative 12 degrees and there was a lot of ice. And I said, you know what? I'm going to ride to work. And what happened? I rode to work and I got to work and it was fine. And one of the big reasons is Vancouver takes care of their bike infrastructure. So any major bike routes or like local bike routes, they put down brine. So it's like salt water and they put down salt on these routes early and they actually clear them as well. So they are actually hmm. pretty well taken care hmm. of, which is a great thing because it means you can cycle all year round. Sometimes you might need to get studded tires, but for a bike, that's usually not a big deal. So it is actually possible. And this is something that kind of annoys me. And this is not a woke mug. I'm not going to a woke mug this week. I had a big one last week. So uh, when you people say, oh, well, what about winter? You can't cycle in winter. It's like, yes, you can. You bundle up. And you ride. It's like, well, what about the snow? It's like, what about your car? You can't drive your Honda Civic in like a foot of snow. You're going to be run off the road. How many people had accidents today in Vancouver or last week? A ton. Go on Twitter from from today. I'm sure you'll see tons of videos, people sliding on the road in their cars and smashing into parked cars. So yeah, winter is hard. But when you take care of the road, you can drive and you can do the same with bicycles. I, I, okay, today I didn't because yeah. Obviously, I didn't go to work, but uh, that's because they didn't take care of it yet. It says, what's that uh, town in, in, is it Finland or Norway? Ulo? Oh, Ulu. Yeah, right. Ulo or, or Ulu. Ulo or, yeah. They take yeah. care of it. And you can, they have a 22% cycling in the winter, 22% modal share. That's insane. That's amazing. That's crazy. They, they, yeah. Yeah, that is. It's a Nordic country. They take care of their lanes. But I've also thought about something else too, as I've been outside more in the winter. And it's something I've always been intuitive of, or it's been in. In, 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 I've been into it, into it. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Anyway, when I used to work in Northern Alberta in the winters, bitter cold winters, you know, oh, like negative 40 and have running diesel engines and the, the air would just, it would reek that diesel exhaust. And I was like, the winter has to be affecting this. And as you talked about with Salt Lake City, these inversions that happened, we had a comment here on the subreddit, uh, Vancouver subreddit. Someone's asking, why is the air quality so bad? Like it showed on the weather network, air quality bad. And people were wondering why. It's because it's it's cold. And there's this double-edged, or not double-edged sword, but the synergistic effect that happens is when it gets cold too, people drive more. They're more likely to get in their car versus walk versus bike or even mm-hmm. transit sometimes. So it, mm-hmm. it, it, it makes it even worse. So it, it yeah. gets pretty bad, which yeah. is just... Anyway, anyway, it's just all these things are pointing to say, hey, we need alternatives, viable alternatives. We need to take care of our cycling infrastructure. We need to have a reliable transit to keep people from getting in their cars. Yeah. 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 And, and, and sorry, go ahead, Ethan. Ethan, okay. you're up. <laughs> all right. All right. I'll take it. So, um, yeah, EVs aren't going to solve this problem either, people. Um, yeah. One thing I saw um, out of my out of the lovely city of Chicago again was um, he people getting their Teslas stranded at car charging stations. Because if you didn't know this, batteries don't do well in the cold. They don't do well in hmm. the extreme cold either. So a lot of the times it'll take longer for your battery to charge and your, ra- and your range will go down significantly. 
So a lot of these people just ended up leaving their Teslas at charging stations where they absolutely destroyed their batteries. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Electric cars are not the uh, solution. Some people seem to think they are. Um, you're moving the pollution out of the city, which is great, but you're not getting rid of the pollution. And you're also causing more wear and tear on the roads. Um, and you're still driving a car. Yeah. Right. Like it's still a car. It's still dangerous. Uh, still running people yeah, over. Yeah. 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 So uh, we, we don't need that in our, in our lives. Um, but yeah, is there anything else we want to go over or mention or shout out as we wrap up? Yeah. I think on that note, just to, just to say that the whole slogan, EVs aren't here to save the world. They're here to save the car industry. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. at least, no, I'm not, I'm not going to talk about it. Nope, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Nick's done, everybody. I'm done. Oh, done. Podcast right. is done. This is the last episode. This is the last, well, with you at least. <laughs> yeah. Ethan and I have been plotting a coup this whole time, but exactly. you quit, so we don't yeah. have to pay you separately. See, this is the stuff that all you people miss who click off in the first 20 seconds get to miss out on. You can just call yeah. them usurpers. Power user- <laughs> yeah, exactly. You get to miss out on the usurpations of the end of the podcast. Yeah. Um, so stay tuned for next week where we find a new uh, co-host. Um, but uh, yeah, in the in the meantime, uh, Nick, where can people find you? You can find me on YouTube at Nick Laporte or in other places at Nick the Door. Nice. And Ethan? You can find me at Climate and Transit anywhere except for Twitter. You'll have to find me at, at Climate Transit there. As long as you see that green profile picture that says climate and transit, you'll be able to find me. Perfect. Fantastic. And if you pass the yellow house on the right, you have gone too far. Um, And then for me, uh, I'm Alex and you can find me at Humane Cities on the platforms that I'm on. So you have a fantastic night, a fantastic life and uh, go out and do something, uh, something urbanistic. Go ride a bike. This show is made possible by listeners like you. For more episodes, find us on your favorite podcatcher or on YouTube at Radio Free Urbanism.